The Daily Rios for October 23rd, 2012. It's getting closer to the end of the month, so I need to squeeze out another Timeline Tuesday, where I take a look at anniversaries and other comics history for the month of October. Before I do that, I just wanted to be sure that listeners knew that yesterday's Monday Musings Inspiration Edition episode wasn't put together by me. That was a YouTube video that I found. It was edited and put together years ago for the overthinkingit.com website, and I did give them credit in the show notes. And I just wanted to be sure to give credit on the show as well. After last night's debates, I was looking for something similar along those lines of a speech, uh, political or otherwise, that could get people excited, motivated, for whatever reason. For the week, for the rest of the election cycle, for whatever they're doing with their work, for their life, whatever it would mean to them. I just wanted to post something and see what kind of reactions people would have. I thought of playing the JFK speech that was referenced at the top of the debates, or even Charlie Chaplin's great dictator speech, which if you haven't heard is incredibly powerful and stirring, and it's actually in the clip that I did play. But in the end, I just left it at the 40 inspirational speeches, which was put together on YouTube. And as I said, it does include a small, brief little thing with Charlie Chaplin. And so it wasn't my first pick. I thought about changing it up, but it is what it is. It kind of is just setting the tone for my week, really. That's kind of what these Monday episodes seem to be seem to be becoming. So unless I get a hankering to go back and Lucas the episode, I'll just leave it the way it is. Okay, Timeline Tuesday. Important comic dates. Let's begin. Starting off with 10 years ago, this would be October of 2002. Now, these are actually books that shipped in October. These aren't just cover dates. Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee, Batman 608, Hush Begins, and the comics community lost their mind for a little bit. So now this kicked off more or less a year-long mystery and excitement that actually I have yet to read to this day. The first issue had multiple printings, and it was one of the highest superhero books at the time, at least as far as I can tell in terms of what came before it. I kind of pinpoint this issue as the issue that marks the beginning of publishers wanting to hit that golden six-figure number in terms of sales, regardless of how they do it. Batman 608 hit about, I think, 200,000, maybe 300,000, somewhere in that mark. And after that, that seemed to be the golden number to hit again. And, and when it did hit, everybody was like, oh my god, comics selling so much, blah, 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 blah. Now, it didn't have many variant covers. In fact, I think it only really had one. But it did go into multiple printings. And that six-figure mark, which they're still chasing to this day, kind of became important again in terms of comics uh, with Batman 608. And you have to remember where it's all coming out of, right? The rise of comics in the early 90s, the decline, and then a very slow, steady build in the 2000s to whatever it is we're dealing with today. So Batman 608, October 2002, 10 years ago. Also 10 years ago, Black Panther 50, this is the Christopher Priest run, kicked off uh, the final 13 issues featuring the new Black Panther of Casper Cole, created by Christopher Priest and Dan Fraga, who would then join the short-lived series The Crew as 
the new White Tiger. If you know me from CGS and you've been listening to anything I've had to yap about for a number of years, you know that Christopher Priest's Black Panther, that run is one of my favorite, if not the favorite, Marvel ongoing series. It's a shame that they have yet to trade that series. Everybody who always says, oh, Marvel's trade program is awesome, I always say, yeah, well, guess what? There's no Christopher Priest Black Panther trade run complete. And I do. I love it. It's it's just a fantastic, smart series, which is why I think some Marvel people are just afraid of it. The final 13 issues were a new direction. Oddly enough, not that far removed from what Marvel tried to do with Black Panther not too long ago with Black Panther Man Without Fear, where he took over Daredevil's book. The new character was Casper Cole. It did still feature T'Challa every now and then. And then... Casper would join the crew, which was an awesome bad boy ensemble group book. And it was only seven or eight issues, but it was so worth it. Casper, Josiah X, who was the grandson of the original Black Captain America, and a few other characters. Just a a great book. Uh, Not my favorite direction by the end of this Black Panther run with the new Casper Cole, but I learned to like it quickly. And I did enjoy the crew. And, And then, of course, after that, uh, Christopher Priest would go on to write Captain America and Falcon for a short time, which was kind of trying to hit on the success of Superman, Batman, of that title. Uh, but I, I, I do, really do. I love the Black Panther series. I want to go back and reread it all. It's just a fantastic, fantastic run. All right, also 10 years ago, Warren Ellis's Global Frequency Number 1 hit the stands, And Supergirl 75 hit the stands, this is Peter David's Supergirl, where he brought back the original Silver Age pre-crisis Kara Supergirl, who would stick around for the remainder of the few issues of this series, and he would have a very interesting end to this whole Supergirl series. This was the Supergirl that was the post-crisis Supergirl that was a protoplasmic being mixed with the DNA of Lana Lang and Lex Luthor, maybe? Or maybe it was just Lana Lang? And then Peter David turned her from a protoplasmic being into uh, a fallen angel. And in this storyline, the pre-crisis Supergirl came back. So the post-crisis Supergirl decided to, to take the original Kara's place in history... She wound up going back in time, marrying Superman. This was all in another timeline. Uh, and surviving the crisis and having a daughter that would become the Supergirl of the One Million event. And then eventually time had to reset itself. I think this was when Hal Jordan was still a Spectre. And the pre-crisis Supergirl had to reassume her place in history. And that kind of made, that made the post-crisis Supergirl... Uh, upset, and she gave up being Supergirl, and that's how the series ended, and then Peter David would go on to write the Fallen Angel series for DC, and everybody just assumed that that was Linda Danvers, that was the post-crisis Supergirl. Peter David all but said that it was. Um, he, he could, Once it moved to IDW, he couldn't really come out and say that it, it was, you know, contractually or whatever, but we all knew. We all knew that Fallen Angel was meant to be... Uh, a continuation of, of that character, of that post-crisis Supergirl character. If you uh, 
were able to follow what I just said for the past three minutes. Good on you. So Supergirl 75, 10 years ago, it had a cover that was an homage of the original Supergirl appearance back in the Silver Age. And uh, that was 10 years ago this month. 25 years ago, October of 1987, Rooster Girl 25 was the final issue of his series. It was during the Millennium event. Uh, he aligned with the Manhunters uh, and then eventually would know that... I think, I'm think i not sure if he did it because he knew and he was trying to infiltrate them or not. I, I can't quite remember. But he would, even though his series ended, he would stay part of the Justice League International group. Also 25 years ago... In October, Forever People, number one, hit the stands. The start of that six-issue miniseries by J.M. DeMatteis, Paris Collins, and Carl Kiesel. The Green Arrow series kicked off. Uh, Green Arrow, number one, off the heels of the Longbow Hunters uh, miniseries. It would run for 137 issues, 11 years, and the first issue was by Mike Grell and Ed Hannigan. 25 years ago this month, Scout came to an end. With issue 24, Tim Truman's Scout, and that was over at Eclipse. And Comico's Black Book came out, celebrating five years of comics by Jerry Javinko. And I'll post a link to the article that he actually wrote on his new, I don't know how new it is, but he, he does have a blog, CO2Comics.com, talking about a lot about Comico history. And I'll be sure to provide a link and he has a page where he lists all the creators who had worked with Comico in those five years. People like Art Adams, Terry Austin, Ernie Colon, Steve Bissett, Alan Davis, Jerry Ordway, Steve Rude, Mike Kaluta, Dean Motter, Ron Friends, Phil Folio, Mike Mignola, Dan Spiegel, Jill Thompson, Sam Keith, and so, so many more. It's a really interesting list to look at. And then 50 years ago, October of 1962... We have Adventure Comics 303, which is the first appearance of one of my favorite Legionnaires, Matter Eater Lad, Tenzel Kem. And then, after being mostly a tryout book or spotlighting individual characters, and before it became known as a team-up book, Raven the Bold 45 introduced a five-issue run of what was called Strange Sports Stories, mostly by Gardner Fox and Carmine Infantino. And the first cover of one of those stories was a baseball game with an invisible man in a baseball uniform taking a swing at a baseball at, at home plate. And it was just a weird, wacky, short little series of stories. Uh, also, Fantastic Four number 10, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby make their first appearance in the title, mostly in Shadows, and they would continue to make appearances throughout their Fantastic Four run. Now that's it for the anniversaries, but there are some other dates that uh, you can keep in mind. So obviously some of these have passed since we are late in October, but uh, October 6th, 1959, Adam Kubert was born. October 8th of 1988, the Superboy TV show premiered and would last four seasons. October 9th of 2012, the Birds of Prey TV show kicked off. Uh, I think I've only ever seen one of those episodes. I might watch it, not because I have any interest or because it's, uh, or I should say not because people have said it's amazing, because I think we all know that it's probably not, but I just want to see it because I've never seen it. October 11th of 2003, 
Dave Sim published a farewell to Cerebus letter in Diamond because his Cerebus series was coming to an end with issue 300 shortly thereafter that. October 16th, 2001, the Smallville TV show premiered. October 17th, 1914, Jerry Siegel was born. October 24th of 1915, Bob Kane was born. And October 27th, 1948, Bernie Wrightson was born. As always, if I missed anything, and I'm sure I've missed quite a bunch, uh, let me know. Leave a comment on the website or send an email. Uh, Send an email if any of these items spark memories or if you can remember being there in any of these anniversaries 10 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, 50 years ago even. Uh, And what does it make you feel looking back and knowing that some of these things are celebrating those certain anniversaries? I think that'd be interesting to hear. Peter at thedailyrios.com. The website is thedailyrios.com. And you can subscribe through iTunes, as always. Tomorrow will be New Comics Wednesday. I think I'll also try to squeeze in my suggestions for previews that are in the October catalog for books shipping mostly in December. I'll try to squeeze that in at the end of New Comics Wednesday tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and I will see you then.